You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome everybody. We are excited you're here. I wanted to make one other announcement. If you are new to Bayshore, either at this campus or the Fenwick Island campus or the Hoboth campus, October 24th at the end of the service at all of our campuses, we're having a welcome lunch. If you're new uh, to this campus, for instance, the Millsburg campus, uh, Karen and I and the staff, we'd love to meet you. We've got a lunch prepared for you. You can go on, on our church app and go to the group section, then get involved and it will show you the welcome lunch uh, section there or you can go to the online website and sign up at, or you could let Jody know today and if you're at the Fenwick Island campus you can uh, you know let uh, uh, Pastor Chase know today and you can sign up to hang out with them as well so anyhow that's October 24th coming up right after church okay guys we're in a, ser- a series called uh, crazy church people and we're actually coming to the end of this series we got two more messages and we're in chapter 16 so uh, chapter 16 verses 1 through 4 today we're going to focus on and uh, can you bring the lights up a little bit for the audience so I can see everybody out there I know people are out there but I can't see them so there we go there that's good good so I can see everybody then I disappear well we'll just go with this okay we're good okay so we're in this series uh crazy church people and Chapter 16 is the last chapter, so today we're going to do the first part, next we're going to do the second part, and today we get into some really interesting things. Now, if you're new to Bayshore, one of the things that we do uh, is we like teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, make it applicable to our lives, and the value of that is if you're not a Christ follower and you're not following Jesus yet, uh, and you're not sure about the Bible, we want to give you background of the scripture so you can read it for yourself and uh, look at these things for yourself. And if you're a follower of the Lord, we want to give you plenty of background context so you can grow in your own faith and look at it together. So uh, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 4, First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. It says this, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Now I want to read one other section of scripture in Romans chapter 15. This is talking about the same subject, Romans 15, verse 25 uh, through 27. Now, Paul speaking to the people of Rome, now however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing, they owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessing. So today we're going to be looking at this part of chapter 16, and basically this part of the chapter is about collection of money. Now you can't hardly have a talk about church stuff uh, and first Corinthians is all about how the local church works and how they deal with the uh, the issues on the outside and the world around them but you really can't really kind of imagine church discussion without talking about collections and so this is a uh, a section of scripture that talks about uh, giving money people giving money now if uh, if you're like hey, I just think the church is about money and you haven't been to church in 10 years. We hardly ever talk about this. But when we come into a portion of Scripture that talks about this, we get some really incredible insight. Now, this is a really, really great story. Now, when you think about 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, one of the things that you need to remember is that this is sort of like pieces of a puzzle. 
When you think about Paul's ministry in his life, this is like pieces of a puzzle. Uh, and, uh, you know, Karen and I were at the Outer Banks uh, last week, uh, and we were with our family, and we had this big puzzle, and I wasn't any good at it, but we put this puzzle together. I think we have a picture of us working on the puzzle, and uh, it's a thousand pieces, and we're trying to put these uh, pieces of the puzzle together, and it was not easy, uh, and, uh, but Stacy, and that's my uh, other uh, daughter-in-law there, and, and uh, they put this together, and they put this picture together, it was actually a picture of the United States. And so it was really cool. So when you think about Paul's ministry and what he's talking about, he talks about this throughout his epistles, his letters. He talks about this offering frequently. And he talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 2 Corinthians 2 full chapters. He talks about this specific offering that he's taken up among God's people, the churches there. And also in Romans 15, which we read. So this is the, this is the puzzle behind Paul's ministry. There is this, uh, this desire to take up this collection for the people in Jerusalem that are going through a hard time. Now here's what you need to remember. When you think about money and the church and giving, that wasn't the idea of some televangelist somewhere. There is very much a basis in the New Testament for people giving their money to reach and help their community. And that's what's going on in, in Paul's ministry here. And so we're going to hover down on the second verse today, and we're going to look at some things. But before we do that, I want you to kind of get the idea of what is going on. He says, I'm taking up a collection for the Lord's people. And it says in the other translations, the saints, uh, the saints. And what he's talking about there is the people in Jerusalem are having, the Christians there, are having a really hard time financially. Things are not going well for them. And we have to ask ourselves, why was there such a struggle financially for these people that were Christians in the early church around Judea and Jerusalem? They were in dire straits, and they were in great need financially. And Paul was soliciting from the churches these collections to go and help these people. And it's an incredible, incredible story. But why are they having a hard time? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Now, these people have become Christians, and they're living in the epicenter of the Jewish world. They're living where the temple is. They're living where the Jewish Judaism is at its, at its strongest point. And these people become Christians, and they're following Jesus, the Messiah. And the people in their community are, are not happy about that. And they're not popular people. Now, if you got a, a new Christian that's a Jewish person, Jewish man or woman, living in Judea or Jerusalem, and they've got a dry goods store, and, you know, they are known to be Christians, it's very possible that what's happening there is these Christians are being boycotted, and they're not being supported by the community because they're following Jesus. Uh, and, and so there's this downside that they're experiencing financially because their faith in Jesus is affecting their economics. And people are saying, well, if Joe you know, is a Christian over there at the hardware store, I'm not shopping in his hardware store. I'm going to go to the Jewish hardware store. So that's part of what's happening. Uh, the other thing is, is we know that there was a famine that hit the world about this time that Paul is writing and the famine was particularly uh, serious in 46 AD and 46 or 47 AD, and that was uh, affecting particularly the Jewish world and the land of Egypt. So we have this this deal where uh, there was a prophet, by the way, in uh, Acts chapter 11 named Agabus, and, and this prophet came, and the prophet said that there's going to be a famine, and and it's going to affect the whole Roman Empire. And he predicted it ahead of time. And then, sure enough, history collaborates from history, 46 and 47 AD. We know historically during the reign of Claudius that there was a terrible, terrible famine. So why are these Jewish people struggling? Why are they having a hard time? They're having a hard time because, number one, they've been persecuted for following Jesus. People aren't shopping at their stores. Their grocery store is being boycotted. Uh, then there's a famine on top of that, and they are affected financially by that. Now, I want to just say something to you that's important. Sometimes we think if we're Christians that we're going to be insulated from world events and things that happen in the world. 
Now, I want you to know that COVID affects people that follow Jesus and don't follow Jesus. When you see the early church, there was this famine. It didn't just affect the people that were secular. It affected the Christian people as well. And they were feeling the crunch of the times. And they were going through a difficult time. And they were struggling. So Paul has compassion for the needs of the Jewish people. Now, he's in Corinth. or He's writing to people in Corinth. Corinth is, listen to this, Corinth is 817 miles away from Jerusalem. That's a long ways away. So basically, Paul is asking them to care about people that live 800 miles away. How do we know that, you know, it's really easy to care about people that are in your circle? People that you know, people that you can see, people that are in your family, people that are right in front of you in your circle, it's easy for us to care about those people, our kids, our grandkids, and we care about those people. But Paul was saying that we need to care not just about people in our circle, but we need to care about people in a circle that is beyond us. And I think it's important, we, you know, what we do as Americans, and I'm guilty of this, you're guilty of this, we're all guilty of this, is that we have a tendency to care about what is right in front of us, and then if, if, as soon as it's away from our eyesight, we forget about it, we don't care about it anymore. M- Americans have very short memories. Now, I think most of us have probably kind of moved on from Afghanistan. Afghanistan, all the suffering that happened about three or four weeks ago, we're kind of moved on to a different thing. Have you noticed that about our culture? that we simply, simply don't care about people outside of our circle. And Paul was saying that we need to care about people that aren't inside our circle. So 817 miles away is a, is a group of people, Christian people, Jewish Christians, that love Jesus, their businesses are being boycotted, they're, being, they're going through a hard time, and then you have the famine hits, and these people are really struggling financially And Paul begins to go to the churches and he begins to raise money for these people that need help. Now he has has another motive here. He cares. He cares about these Jewish people. In fact, he went to university. He He studied in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. So that's his university town. That's where he went to college at. So he knows Jerusalem. He loves Jerusalem. But he has another motive here. And the motive is that he wants to do something to bridge the gap between the Gentile church and the Jewish church because there was this division between the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians. Because the Jewish Christians thought the Gentile Christians, they were were like caving on the hard issues. They weren't getting circumcised. They weren't keeping the law of Moses. And they were sort of the liberal group of of the church. And so the Jewish Christians had a little bit of an attitude toward the Gentile Christians, and the Gentile Christians have a little bit of attitude toward the Jewish Christians, and so there's this schism. So Paul, his big vision is he wants to do something to bring unity in the church. So what he does is he takes this collection up, and his dream is, is out of this collection, he'll be able to fuse the faction in the church and bring people together. How many know that God wants his church to be one and in unity? He wants us to love other Christians that aren't just simply in our eyesight. And Paul was a peacemaker. Remember Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be, uh, they shall be the sons of God, be called the sons of God. And so here's what, here's what uh, there's some great quotes here about, about keeping uh, unity here. Uh, A peacemaker, Billy Graham said, to be a peacemaker, you must know the peace giver. And then I love this one by Jim Wallace. Anyone can love peace, but Jesus didn't say blessed are the peace lovers. He said peacemakers. He is referring to a life of vocation, not a hobby on the sidelines of life. And then Max Licato says peacemakers are architects who build bridges with wood from a Roman cross. So there was this passion in Paul to bring unity in the church. And his big dream was, was that if I can raise money from the Gentile churches, when the Jewish churches are having a hard time, if I can raise money from all these Gentile Christians and I bring that offering with other people to the Jewish Christians, it will help heal the the breach in the church 
So it's an incredible vision that he has. He wanted to bring unity about. And so he had a vision that we would have unity uh, in, in, the, in the church, and that's what he was doing it for. And uh, so that's a big part of it. So just to understand what's going on, why was there a problem? Number one, there was a problem because the Jewish uh, Christians were persecuted and their businesses were boycotted. Number two, there was a famine. The response was Paul cared. Paul raised money from the Gentiles, and as he raised money from the Gentiles, he took that money from the offering, offerings that he collected, not from one church, but from the church of Philippi, the church of Berea, the church of Thessalonica, the church of uh, Corinth, all the churches that he planted. Paul raised money, and then at a specific time, he goes and he helps the people that are there. So that's, that's the background for the story. Now, let's look at this uh, verse 2 that talks about giving because this is the best one of the best verses in in all the bible about giving and what it means for us about how do we give how do we give financially and i want to look at this because uh i want you to just understand this giving your finances to help to your church to help the community is not anything new this is rooted in the New Testament. It's rooted in the history of the church, and it's not something that is as new on the, uh, on the horizon here. And this was written 49 A.D., uh, about you know, a few years after Jesus was crucified. So this goes way back. So number, num- verse number two, how should you give? How should we give? Now, there's some things in here. Number one, um, how should you give? On the first day of every week that's the first instruction on the first day of every week so that's it so giving should happen uh on sunday now i i want to clarify what i'm about to say here giving uh in the early church was connected to worship now the early church met on Sunday, not on Saturday. The Jewish people met on Saturday, and that was part of the rift in the church. The, the Christian Jews, they felt like Saturday was the sacred day, and Christians, these Gentiles, met on Sunday. And the reason they met on Sunday is because it was the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. So giving should be in the context of worship. So Paul is saying, when you come to church, when you gather on the first day of the week, the early church met on the first day of the week, when you come, on the first day of the week, when you're worshiping Jesus, that's when you want, want you to give your offering. So he didn't say, drop it by, uh, you know, the church sometime. He didn't say, like, uh, you, know, you know, if you're by, you know, the church, you know, on Wednesday, just drop it in. He said, when you get together to worship, on the first day of the week, you, you receive your, uh, that's when you take your collection. Now, here's what I want you to to get out of that. It's not that you can't give on Monday, you can't give on Tuesday, you can't give on Wednesday, you can't give on Thursday. It's not that. It's, it's you know, you give, we're glad that you give on the app during the middle of the week and all that. We're gla- grateful for that. But here's the point. The point is, is the, the early church when they gave, it was in the context of worship, that they were worshiping the Lord. Giving is worship. Giving is not just an obligation. Giving is part of your worship. And here's what I, what I want to say to us this morning as we think about what this text really teaches is one of the things it teaches us is this. It teaches us that, you know, we think we've limited worship to the narrow margin of singing. When you're singing and raising your hand, then you're worshiping. And Corey up here today was just killing it, him and Ashley. They were just worshiping the Lord and they're raising their hands. And man, I just, it was amazing. But I want to tell you something, that that is a part of worship, but that isn't only worship. Worship, Paul said, when you come to worship Jesus on the resurrection day, bring your collection. So the collection is in the context of worship and so it when you are given you're writing your check or you're on the church app and you get ready to send it or you got the recurring gift or however you give I want you to remember that as you're doing that you are worshiping the Lord and sometimes writing giving money is a better measurement of Jesus being Lord of our life and Jesus being uh, being worshiped by us than anything else and so it says they gave on the first day of the week, and we, I could develop that a little bit, but we don't have time to do that. So there was a, worship is connect, giving is connected to worship. So say that with me if you would out loud. Giving is connected to worship. One more time. Giving is connected to worship. That's a very, very important thing. 
So this is, uh, you know, if you remember the Christmas story when, uh, when the magi or the wise men uh, came to, you know, worship Jesus. Remember that story in the Christmas story? Somebody said they were firemen. They came from afar. Anyhow, any, that's a little joke. Not a very good one, but anyhow. So uh, they, uh, they came, and, and it says they came to King Herod, and they said to King Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews that we may worship him? So this is in Matthew chapter 2. And when they finally get to Bethlehem, Jesus is in a house in a permanent dwelling at that point, And it says, they knelt down and they opened their gifts of gold. So when they open their gifts of gold, we have a picture of them worshiping the Lord with their gold. So giving is on the first day of the week. And it's in the context of when the church gathered to worship the resurrected Lord. And so when I give my tithe, when I give my offering, when I give my gift to the Lord, it's not just me like checking it off the list. It's part of my worship to the Lord and I'm worshiping him. So it was on the first day of the week. And that was the day that they met. Second thing it says here. uh, It says, on the first day, everybody say, on the first day. Of every week. On the first day of every week. So they are uh, worshiping the Lord on the first day. That's the Lord's Day, Resurrection Day. That's when they worship Jesus. That's when they give in the context of worship. On the first day of every week. Now we're talking about consistent giving here. That this the giving is consistent here. It's not like... Paul's taken up one big offering. And here's the thing I love about the early church. Here's what I love about this. I love it. It's just straightforward. It's straightforward. Paul's not using any gimmicks. He's not sending them, you know, a lapel pin if you give. He's not sending them a prayer cloth if you give. He's saying that it's just straightforward. We are God's people. Jesus is Lord of our life. People have needs. We give every week so we can help people. It's straightforward. And I'm not a guy that likes, you know, the, uh, you know, the high, slick, fundraising stuff you see, you know. Have you ever, anybody gone to a timeshare deal? You ever gone to a timeshare and, and went through that process where they're trying to sell you a timeshare? Now, some of you may have timeshares, and I'm happy for you. I'm glad you have a timeshare. But I went to a timeshare thing one time where uh, we were coming home from a conference in the South, and there was this, my, my buddy said, listen, we go to these timeshares all the time. We got briefcases, televisions, and everything. you got to do this. So I went to this timeshare. If you go to the timeshare thing, you know how it is. It is high pressure, high pressure. I'm sitting there, and I told the guy up front, I'm not buying a timeshare. I just want you to know, we're here. We signed a paper. We're not buying a timeshare. He said, oh, it's fine. He talked to us a while. And then, you know, they bring in the other recruits for you. And then they set you in that little chair with a light over your head. And they walk around and they talk to you. <laughs> and this guy got so mad. We're sitting in the back seat of his car. And he's smoking a cigarette. as He's driving us around showing us this golf course. And he's driving so fast, he's so mad. We're sliding from side to side in the seats there <laughs> because he's so upset. And that high pressure... Stuff in the church is just ridiculous. The New Testament was not like that. The New Testament was straightforward. Paul said there's people in Jerusalem that have needs. They have a, they're going through a crisis. We love Jesus. We meet together on the first day of the week in the context of worshiping Jesus. We give our money every week. Every week. So here's something about giving. Giving is to both, supposed to be worship. Number two, Giving is to be reoccurring, reoccurring. I know sometimes people, they, they hear about giving and they say, oh, you know, they maybe give an offering. Somebody, if, they, if the preacher can just, you know, really rev it up and, and they just, you know, write a check and give the money. It's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be on the first day of every week. Persistent giving, persistent giving giving and so what our dream is is for people that are called to Bayshore is that you will be a person who gives out of a spirit of worship and number two that you will be a persistent giver you'll give every month or every week however your flow works but you give persistently and there's people in our church right now that have been here for decades and you're sitting in front of me 
right now, and I'm here to tell you, I am so grateful for you because you have been consistent givers over the decades to support our church so we can build other campuses, so we can reach people, and I am so grateful for you, for everybody here in Fenwick Island, and I'm so grateful for your persistent giving. So that's an important thing. Every week, everybody say every week. Every, every Thursday night, I pull my garbage out to the end of the road for the garbage collector that's going to pick it up anywhere from 4 a.m. to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Who knows? No man, no man knows the day or the hour. I don't know. And every Friday, Karen and I go out on a date. Every Monday, every Monday, we have staff meeting, one of the favorite, my favorite days of the week. And, uh, you know, every, there's a pattern in my life. I do things persistently over and over again. And so giving is supposed to be reoccurring every week, giving every week. So, on the first day and every week, and this, listen to this one. On the first day of every week, each one of you, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. So, first day, context of worship. Every week, persistent, reoccurring. And number three, each one of you, universally. Everybody's supposed to give. Everybody's supposed to give. And that's an important uh, part of this. Some people feel like you go to a church, and if the church is bigger, you think, oh, well, somebody else has got that. They're going to take care of that. Uh, but the Bible teaches, and Paul, was, was when he was teaching, he wasn't saying, I want, the, I want the, the upper income people to give. He wasn't saying, you know, I, he was just saying, I want everybody to give. And in the early church, the, the church of Corinth, they had people that, that were very poor and people that were very rich, and they had a mixture. They probably had more people than they had rich people. When Paul gave his appeal for giving, it was universal. Universal. Everyone should give. Everyone should give. And that's an important part. Now, here's, here's the deal. The deal is we know statistically that 37% of evangelicals who regularly come to church 37% of evangelicals that regularly come to church don't give anything to their church financially. 37%. So that means that there is about, about 4 out of 10 that never give anything. And so Paul, when you think about Paul, he says, I want each one of you to give, every one of you to give. And that's an important thing. And so I know when Karen and I, we have always been... Uh, tithers, as some of you have, and givers, and all that, and the whole tithing thing, I'll talk about that maybe at some point, this, what does that mean, and how does that apply to the New Testament, um, but Karen and I, you know, there, there, there are, you know, sometimes people say, I serve in the church, I help, you know, in the, ser in the, in the serve in the church, that's my giving, I give that way, well, we should serve, but Paul is not saying, you know, if you serve in the church, you don't, you shouldn't give, he's saying that, that each one of you should collect money and give money because there's something powerful about giving your money to the Lord because it touches the deepest part of you. It's what you sweat for. It's what you labor for. It's what you look forward to to get that check. And when that represents your sweat and your labor and when you give to the Lord, it represents you giving yourself to the Lord. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, when he talks about this, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he's talking about the churches of Macedonia, and he says, uh, you know, these people didn't give as we thought they would give. They were eager to give, and he said, they didn't give as we thought they would give. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us, meaning the, the mission of giving the, the collection. So they gave themselves first to the Lord. So it's a great, great sign of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, being, making Jesus Lord of your life. When Karen and I were in Baba College, you know, um, she worked for a dentist. Uh, we were in her early 20s. She made $110 a week. And uh, I went to school full time. And in between semesters, I put roofs on houses and sandbag beaches uh, for the hurricanes, not to erode uh, rich people's beaches. So uh, that was, that was my, my job. And uh, and so we made $110 a week in 1979. 1979. You say, well, that's probably a lot of money then. It wasn't a lot of money even then. It's not a lot of money. So we went to this great church. 
This great church, uh, Liberty Church, Pensacola, Florida, about 1,500 people, full of young people who love Jesus, people studying to go into mission work, people studying to go into, Bible, uh, go into teaching the Bible and pastoring and all that. And they gave money to missions around the world. It's a great place to go. So Karen and I, we gave. Every week we went to church on the Lord's Day, and it was back in those days that we had the, uh, you know, the, the, the envelope system where you had the tithe and offering uh, envelopes. We put our $11, our $11 in the envelope, and we would, we would give it in the, in the service. And for three years we did that. For three years, $11. So if you make $110 a week, that means that when you give your offering, according to what we did in those days, that's $11. It takes you down to $99 a week. And I'm telling you what, our car never broke down. Uh, I had really nice boots. They did have holes in the bottom of them, and I didn't wear them when it rained. But we were just taken care of. And so when we moved up here and came up here in 1981, we lived in a mobile home next door, and we got a raise. We were making $150 a week, $150 a week in 1981, and we didn't have to pay the rent. They paid the electric thing and all that, and we thought to ourselves, we have landed it. We've landed in it now. We're making $150 a week, and we don't even have to pay the rent. The church is paying the rent, and uh, it was, we just thought we were there, but we gave $15 every week to Bayshore. We've tithed to Bayshore for 40 years. 40 years, our whole time here. Just tithe and gave to the Lord. And the Lord just has a way of taking care of you. And we could have said at some point, we're only making $110 a week. We're only making $150 a week. We could have said, listen, we're not, you know, that's not for, that's, just, that's for somebody else. That's not for us. But I'm here to tell you, as we have done that, God has been faithful to take care of us. And as, as the psalmist says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. The Lord has just been faithful to take care of us, and he's been faithful to take care of everybody I see that put their faith in him. And so the Lord has an incredible way of taking care of people when they invest in his kingdom. And so that's uh, it's it. each one of you, on the first day of every week, on the first day of every week, each one of you, each one of you. So say this with me. Giving is worship. Giving is consistent. Giving is universal. And then we get to this part. Giving is proportional. And it says this. I just My computer just turned off. Did somebody pray that to happen? Anyhow, there we go. Uh, here we go. Uh, and the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So it's proportional. So that means that as the Lord blesses you more, Paul says, make sure your, your giving keeps up with a proportion of your giving, of your, of, your, of your blessing. So when God blesses you and God prospers you in keeping with your income. Now, I think, you know, why did Paul say that? He didn't need to say that. I mean, really, if people, if you're making more money, you're going to give more money, right? I mean, if you, you know, he's, why, I just think, why are you wasting the ink on that point? Because if you make more money, naturally, you're going to give more to help people. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. We know, statistically, that when income goes up, percentage giving goes down. The more people make, the less generous they are. And it's, that's a shocker. You know, when I first discovered that, when I looked at that, I was just really surprised about that, that I thought that when people made more money, people would give more money, but all the studies show that when income goes up, percentage of giving goes down. And 
Here's an interesting little quote here, if I can find it. I, I, this is really, real, uh, really eye-opening when, when you look at it. And uh, let me see here. Okay. Um, uh, here we go. In 2011, this is just a study about 10 years ago. In 2011, listen to this. The wealthiest Americans, those earning in the top 20%, contributed on an average of 1.3% of their income to charity. So people that are in the top echelon of making money only give 1.3% of their income to charity. In fact, when I go to a a store, now this is a little little pet peeve I have, and you go to a store and they say... um, hey, do you want to contribute to this organization or that organization, you know, on top of your bill? Which, how many have ever had that happen to them? You know, and I just, hey, great. And I'm just a rebel. I'm a rebel. I'm a bad rebel. I have a bad attitude sometimes. And I say, I'm all about helping people. I ask them, how much is your organization really giving money from your organization to help this organization? You're asking me to give money, which I'll be glad to do, but how much is your organization giving to help this this cause? Because it can't be like designated somebody else is going to do it for me. So anyhow, that's that's my little thing. In 2011, the wealthiest Americans, those with earnings in the top 20%, contributed on an average of 1.3% of their income to charity. Listen to this. By comparison, Americans at the base of the income pyramid, those in the bottom 20% donated 3.2% of their income. So people on the bottom part of the, of the, of the earnings scale gave more than twice as much than people on the top. So when you think about when, one of the things that Paul brought out here is that make sure that your giving keeps up with your blessing. When God's prospering you, is your, is your, giving, is your giving frozen in the past? Or is your giving keeping up with the, uh, the proportion of God's blessing on you? I was talking to a man in our church one day. And he was, uh, you know, he, we were just talking about something else. And he said, uh, hey, I had to call the church office. And he was telling me about his experience. I had a great experience calling the church office. And I said, well, what are you calling the church office for? He said, well, I was changing the, the percentage of my, my giving because my business has really been blessed. And I wanted to update my giving to make sure that my giving is keeping up. And so uh, I thought that was really, really good. A number of years ago, Karen and I... Uh, we're hanging out with our boys, and I, I ran this 5K with, uh, with, uh, with my sons. Uh, it was the Firecrocker uh, run in uh, Rehoboth. It was on 4th of July weekend, and uh, I'd been training a little bit, and I was ready for this race, and I was thinking, I can't. I'm going to do this, and I was thinking, I'm going to beat Tim, because Tim was, I thought I could beat Tim. I knew I couldn't beat Joel but I thought I could beat Tim. And uh, so we all started out together, that little pack, and then Joel, like, just, whew, he took off. And Tim and I are hanging together, and I'm going to beat Tim. So I'm running with Tim, kind of going along here, and, and all of a sudden, Tim kind of broke away. And he got smaller and smaller and smaller in the distance where he just completely disappeared, and I didn't keep up with him. And when you think about your, if God is blessing you, and he's, he's prospering you, make sure that you, your giving keeps up with his, his prosperity. And so that's what Paul says. Paul said, um, he said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, say it with me, in keeping with your income, saving up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So Paul is talking about this important concept of, okay, number one, my giving represents my worship. It's on the Lord's Day. I worship Jesus by giving. Um, every week, consistently, I give over and over and over again. I be- develop a habit of giving. And, 
and it's universal for each one of you. It, it impacts everyone. Everyone is to be a giver. Everyone universally is to be a giver. And then it's to keep up with your income. It's to keep up with your income. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that when you talk about giving, uh, one of the big debates about giving is what does that, how does that apply to the Old Testament tithe uh, and there's been a lot of debate about that. You've got the Old Testament tithe where they gave a tenth of their income, uh, and there was a, you know, it was the attitude in the Old Testament was they were to give the first fruits of their, of their, of their offering. In other words, when they had a crop and the crop came in, uh, they had a first fruit offering. They would take some of the wheat, the first fruit, and they would wave it before the Lord as an offering, represented that it was worship to the Lord. They would wave that uh, offering before the Lord, and they, they gave the first fruits. And here's a, here's a principle. The principle is, if we have the attitude that um, if there's anything left over, I'm going to give. If there's anything, if there's any surplus, I'm going to give. Uh, and the Old Testament teaches us this principle that you didn't approach your giving that way. You approached your giving by making it uh, something that was set aside. And Paul said, he says this in this text. He said, uh, in keeping with your income, uh, he, said, it's, uh, he said, each of you should set aside a sum of money. You set it aside. You designate, you designate money Paul's saying, designate a percentage of money to give to this cause to help people in Jerusalem. So they set aside. It wasn't like, um, you know, if we have anything left over, we're going to do that. Paul said, designate, set aside a certain sum of money that as you set that aside, you'll use that to help the people that are in uh, Jerusalem that are, are in need there. And so here's, a, here's an important part of understanding this text. This text says basically that you are to, to, to set aside purposely a certain sum of money to give. And this is strict, straight out of the text here. Uh, and here's, here's what that means. When Karen and I were... Uh, before computers and laptops and smartphones, uh, we had a budget in our house, and here's how we did it. And some of you that are older, you maybe you did this way. We had an envelope system, and we had we had here, what we actually had was a uh, Tupperware ice cream container that was used to put ice cream in. It was Tupperware made by Tupperware, and we used that. It was just wide enough for the envelopes. We put envelopes in this Tupperware holder, and we had an envelope that said electricity. And we had an envelope that said uh, rent. We had an envelope that said, you know, uh, car insurance. We had an envelope that said groceries. We had an envelope that said clothes. And so at the end of every week, you know, when we got our paycheck, we'd go to the bank. We'd get it, we'd get it cashed into cash. We'd get the, the check cashed in cash. And we brought the cash home. How many of you remember bringing the cash home? You bring the cash home. And we bring the cash home, and she would open up the envelopes and she would put how much we wanted to put in how much we needed to put in the rent how much we needed to put in the car insurance how much weekly we had this mathematically divided down so how much money we put but we had an envelope an envelope in the front of that that said ties and offerings so when we made the 15 150 dollars a week every week when we brought our money home from the uh, from the bank in Millsboro and got the check cashed. We cashed the check and brought the $150 of cold cash home. We, she got out the, uh, the little ice cream Tupperware control con container and we pulled the envelopes out and we put in that first envelope the $15 of our tithe. So Paul said... Each of you set aside. It's a designated amount. So important, important principle there. So uh, that's really, really important. So, so here's the deal. The bottom line is, um, when you look at the Old Testament, the first fruits, giving the first fruits to the Lord, you make that the first and honor the Lord first. It's not if anything's left over, I'm going to give it. Uh, it is its first fruits. 
Lord, you get the first. Uh, and I wave the offering before you. It's a worship. It's an act of worship to you. And it's for me. It's for everybody around me. It's every week. It's consistent. Maybe you give every month, whatever. The point is consistency. Um, and you continue to do that. And, and you, just, you just do it. You do it because you love Jesus. And Paul said, listen, we, when we get together... When we get together as people that worship Jesus that's been resurrected on Sunday, we take our collection to impact our community and help people. And that's what, what Paul did. He, he laid that out very clearly, very important, important principle there. And it's just really cool how that worked. It was just straightforward. It's just right out there. And so what I think is important is that we have this, uh, you know, it's a, I think the Old Testament tithe, that 10%, I started on that a moment ago, but that Old Testament tithe thing, I think that is, uh, I think that's a wonderful blueprint and model. I think it's a blueprint and model. I don't think it's a law. I don't think it's a law. I think it's a blueprint. Why did God give us the blueprint of 10%? I think it's a blueprint. I think it's a great model. It's a great, great goal. It's a great place to be, and that's where, where many people give. But if you're not there, the key is, the key is, is that you become persistent, you become a percentage giver, and that you enter into the tradition of the ancient church where we, together, we worship the Lord, not simply with our voices, but with our money. We worship the Lord with our money. So uh, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the message. And that's what this text teaches. I don't, think I, pull, I, don't, I don't think I put anything in this text that wasn't there. So whenever I teach on this, I've done this for 40 years, so whenever I teach on this, there's this, there's this like sometimes uh, there's certain people that struggle with this part of their walk with the Lord. It's just really interesting that they struggle with that. And, uh, and it's a very, very touchy thing for some people because in many ways there's like people that say lord you're lord of my life here you're lord of my life there you're lord of my life over here but this one area this one area i'm guarded and i think for us to really flourish in our faith we have to get to the point where we say lord you're lord not only in my time you're lord not only of, of my thought life and how i live but you're Lord of my money as well. And so whenever I teach on this, there's always some people that struggle. So a number of years ago, I taught on this. I taught on giving. And I was, uh, had taught it pretty much like I did today in deafening silence. Anyhow, <laughs> that was just a joke. I was just kidding. You guys are great. I'm, going to, I'm doing fine. I'm going to take a nap today. Anyhow, here we're good. But I, uh, I taught on this. And I just happened to have to go on a uh, mission trip uh, the next day. I left actually that afternoon. And I flew to Greece, and I was going to be doing a mission trip in, uh, in Albania. And so I flew into Athens, Greece, and I was jet lag, and I just got there. And I'm walking through the airport trying to find, trying to find my, my, the luggage area, and I get there. And when I get there, uh, you know, I finally found it, and my phone rings. And it's a man from our church that's calling me about the message that I preached the day before when I preached on giving. And now I'm in Athens. I've got jet lag, and I'm like, and he's, he's talking to me about this. And we had this wonderful conversation, a man I dearly loved. And we talked about it, and he just struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled with this giving thing. I mean, to give percentage-wise and to give consistently. And I encourage them other years, hey, listen, start with your percentage. Just start with a percentage and be consistent and put that seed out there and let the Lord help you. Talk to him about that. And, uh, and I talked to him, and I can't remember if we prayed. But when I hung up the phone, when I hung up the phone, I remembered that we had the same conversation. 25 years earlier we had the same conversation 25 years earlier he'd been in my church for decades been at Bayshore for decades I told Karen uh, you know we love this family dearly and I told her about the call 
And I said, we had that same conversation 25 years ago that he never, never got to the point where he could say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be a part of your kingdom fully. I'm going to give. So the church that you've called me to be a part of can change the world and make a difference. And I just never forgot that. And there's always people like that that just struggle with this point, struggle with this point. And it's a matter of, uh, you know, Larry Burkett used to tell the story of this hiker, and you've probably heard the story. He's hiking, and he falls off the this cliff where he's hiking and he's flying down and he grabs a hold of a limb hanging out there and he's hanging on to the limb and he's desperate you know he's got his backpack on and he's he's going you know he's he's you know he thought, thinks he's going to die he's scared to death and he's yelling out oh somebody help me somebody help me somebody help me he's just yelling out with all of his heart and trying to get somebody to help him and and he hears the Lord speak to him in an audible voice in this story Larry Burkett told. You know, the story goes like this. He heard this voice that said, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let go. And I'm going to take care of you. And to that, the man said, is there anybody else up there that can help me? <laughs> and I think sometimes that is our, our struggle. Can the Lord really help us and can the Lord really take care of us. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now as we pray? I want you to ask the Lord to, to fill you with grace, to be a part of this great movement of the church that gives to and impact this community. And uh, as you lift up your hands and make Christ Lord of your life, some of you are giving percentage-wise, and you've been giving faithfully, and your giving's kept up with your blessing and you've been so good but would you just take a moment you maybe you've been giving and not even thinking about it but when you would you just take a moment and say lord i just i want you to know that my gifts are my worship to you that i worship you through my giving and maybe you've just it's just automatic and you're not really thinking about it. it's worship and i want you to just take a moment and say lord i my giving is worship to you and uh, it's not don't let me just be mindless about it but let me be uh, purposeful about it so, Lord, I just ask you to bless those that are faithfully giving. Those, Lord, that you're calling to a place of, of, of giving and a place of uh, participating like Paul challenged the early church. We pray, Lord, that you'll just, just radically open their hearts so they can begin to enter into your blessings so you can bless them in ways that they can hardly imagine. We pray, Lord, that you'll use these, these incredible gifts that, that people give to impact our community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.